part five chapters one through three of a vital question or what is to be done by nikolai chernyshevsky translated by nathan haskell dole eighteen fifty two to nineteen thirty five and others this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part five new people and the finale chapter one miss polozova in her letter to her friend referred to her gratitude to vira pavlovna's husband to explain this it is necessary to explain what kind of a man her father was polozov was a retired cavalry captain or second captain of horse who while in service according to the custom of the olden time had squandered and gambled away quite a large patrimonial estate but after he had squandered it all he resigned and settled down to the creation of a new fortune having gathered the last crumbs which were left he found that he had ten thousand roubles in assignats he went into the retail grain business he began to undertake all sorts of small contracts he made the most of every profitable enterprise which was within his means and at the end of ten years he had a good property with the reputation of being such a substantial and enterprising man with his rank and famous name in his neighbourhood he was able to choose from among the merchants daughters of the two districts where his business transactions were carried on and he selected very discreetly one with a dowry of half a million all in assignats he was then fifty years old and this was twenty years before we see his daughter entering into friendly relations with vira pavlovna adding such a pile to his former wealth he extended his business on a wider scale and ten years later he became a millionaire in silver roubles as at this time silver began to replace paper his wife died as she was used to provincial life she had kept him from moving to petersburg now he moved to petersburg pushed up the hill more rapidly still and in ten years was regarded as the possessor of three or four million roubles girls and widows young and old set their caps at him but he had no wish to marry the second time partly because he preserved a genuine feeling for his wife's memory and moreover because he did not want to give katya whom he loved very warmly a stepmother polozov pushed and pushed up the mountain he would not have had three not four millions but ten if he had given himself to monopolies but he despised them and he considered contracts and supplies the only honest business his confreres in the millionocracy laughed at such a slight and delicate distinction and they were not wrong but he though he was not in the right kept repeating his pet phrase i am a commercial man and i do not want to get rich by robbery but a year or a year and a half before his daughter made vira pavlovna's acquaintance there appeared too clear proof that there was very little difference between his trade and monopoly as far as the facts of the matter were concerned though there was a great difference according to his ideas he undertook a great contract whether it was linen or provisions or boot leather i am not sure but as he had been becoming every year more stubborn and supercilious on account of his age and his constant success and the increasing respect with which he was regarded he quarrelled with an important personage got rather angry berated him and the job proved to be a bad one at the end of a week they bade him eat humble pie he said i won't you will collapse all right but i won't give in in a month he was told the same thing 
he made the same reply and really as far as eating humble pie was concerned he ate no humble pie but as far as collapsing went he collapsed his goods were rejected moreover whether there were actual faults or whether it came from ill-will at all events his three or four millions vanished and polozov at the age of seventy found himself a beggar that is a beggar compared to what he had been but still without any comparison with what he had been he lived well he had some shares in a stearine factory and without hanging down his nose accepted the position of manager of this factory at a good salary besides that there remained by some chance a few tens of thousands of roubles if such remnants of his fortune had been in his hands fifteen or ten years before they would have been enough to help him push himself up a respectable mountain but being over sixty it was hard for him to push himself and polozov argued that it was too late for him to try such a thing and not within his strength now he thought only about arranging as quickly as possible the sale of the factory the shares of which gave him scarcely any income or any credit and the affairs of which it was difficult to bring into a better order he argued the case cleverly and he succeeded in explaining to the other chief shareholders that a quick sale was the only way of saving the money buried in the shares another thing which occupied his mind was a suitable marriage for his daughter but the main thing was to sell the factory turn all the money into five per cent governmental bonds which were at that time in vogue and to live the remainder of his days peacefully remembering his past grandeur the loss of which he bore bravely preserving all his gaiety and firmness chapter two the father loved his katya he did not allow ultra high society's governesses to train the girl too severely that is nonsense he used to say at all straightenings of the figure straightening of the manners and everything of this sort and when katya was fifteen years old he agreed with her that she could do without english and french governesses thus katya was entirely at her ease she felt full freedom in the house and freedom for her at that time was not to be disturbed in her reading and dreaming she had few friends among girls though two or three were very intimate but suitors for her hand she had without number she is polozov's only daughter it's terrible to speak of four millions but katya read and dreamed and the suitors remained in despair and katya reached the age of seventeen thus she read and dreamed and did not fall in love but she suddenly began to grow thin and pale and languid chapter three kirsdnof did not care to practise but he did not consider it right for him to refuse consultations but at this time it was a year after he became professor and a year before he married vira pavlovna the bigwigs of the petersburg medical world began to invite him very often to consultations there were two reasons for it the first was that there happened to be in the courts a certain claude bernard who had lived in paris one of the bigwigs who went to paris for some reason scientific or other saw with his own eyes claude bernard the real living claude bernard he introduced himself with his rank his name his decorations and his famous patient and claude bernard after listening to him for half an hour said it was idle for you to come to paris to learn the successes of medicine you had no need of leaving petersburg for that purpose the bigwig took this as an attestation of his own fame 
and after he came back to petersburg mentioned claude bernard's name no less than ten times in the course of twenty-four hours adding to it no less than five times my learned friend or my famous comrade in science how could he help calling kirsdnof to consultations after that it was impossible not to and the second reason was still more important all the bigwigs saw that kirsdnof was not trying to get away their practice he not only did not take cases but even when eagerly requested did not take them it is known that many of the bigwigs who practice have this custom if death according to the opinion of the bigwig is inevitably approaching the patient and if by unfortunate change they cannot get rid of the patient by sending him to any mineral springs or to any place abroad then it is necessary to place him in the hands of some other medical man and in these circumstances the bigwig is willing to offer money from his own pocket for his colleague to take the case kirsdnof in these cases where the bigwig with the intention of running away asked him to take a patient was rarely willing he generally recommended such of his friends as were in active practice and he took for himself only a few cases which were interesting from a scientific point of view but how could they help inviting to their consultations this confrere who was recognized by claude bernard and who did not take away their practice polozov the millionaire had a doctor who was the very ace of trumps among the bigwigs and when katerina vasilyevna became dangerously ill the consultations for a long time were held by the bigwigs exclusively finally the case became so serious that the bigwigs decided to invite kirsdnof and really the task was very tough for the bigwigs the sick girl had no evident disease but her strength was rapidly failing it is necessary to get at the root of the trouble the attending doctor called it atrophia nervorum innutrition of the nerves whether there is any such disease as that in the world i do not know but if there is then even i can understand that it must be incurable but if notwithstanding its incurableness she still must be cured then let kirsdnof do it or some of his friends those impudent little boys and so a new consultation with kirsdnof was arranged they examined the patient they asked her questions the patient answered readily without excitement but kirsdnof after the first words stopped questioning her and merely watched the bigwigs making the investigation and after they had exhausted their ingenuity and tormented the girl as much as propriety requires in such cases they turned to kirsdnof what do you think alexander matveitch he replied i have not sufficiently examined the patient i shall stay here this is an interesting case if a new consultation should be needed i shall ask karl feodorovitch that was the name of the attendant physician who shone with glory because he was saved from his atrophia nervorum after they left kirsdnof sat down by the patient's bedside the sick girl smiled satirically i am sorry that we are not better acquainted he began a doctor must win confidence and maybe i shall succeed in winning yours they do not understand your troubles here some sagacity is needed to sound your lungs to give you medicines is absolutely useless only one thing is necessary to know your general condition and to think with you whether it is possible to do anything you will help me in regard to this the sick girl said not a word you do not want to talk with me the sick girl said not a word you probably even want me to leave i ask of you only ten minutes 
if in ten minutes you find as you think now that my presence is useless i shall go don't you know well that you have no other disease than sorrow don't you know that if this state of mind lasts it will be impossible in three weeks or a fortnight or even sooner to save you and that maybe you will not live two weeks as yet you are not in consumption at all but it is very very near and at your age under such conditions it develops with unusual rapidity it may end in a few days the sick girl said not a word you do not reply but you do not care at all therefore my words were not new to you by the very fact of your silence you say yes do you know what almost any other man would know in my place he would go and speak with your batyushka maybe my talk with him would save you but if you do not want me to i shall not do it why i make it a rule nothing should ever be done for a person against his will liberty is above everything even life therefore if you don't want me to know the cause of your very dangerous condition i shall not know it if you tell me that you want to die i would only ask you to explain to me the causes of this wish if they should appear to me groundless i still have no right to interfere with you if they appear to me reasonable i am bound to help you and i am ready i am ready to give you poison under this condition i ask you to tell me the cause of your illness the sick girl said not a word you do not want to answer me i have no right to continue these questions but may i ask you to allow me to tell you something about myself which may serve to increase the confidence between us yes thank you whatever the reason may be you are suffering i am too i passionately love a woman who must never know that i love her do you pity me the sick girl said not a word but she smiled sorrowfully you are silent but still you could not hide that you noticed these words of mine more than those that i spoke before that is sufficient of itself i see that you and i have one cause of suffering do you want to die i understand it very well but to die of consumption is long is hard i am ready to help you to die if i cannot help you to something better i say that i am ready to give you poison a delightful something that kills quick without causing pain will you please let me know on this condition whether your position is so intolerable as it seems to you won't you deceive me demanded the sick girl look me straight in the eye you see that i will not deceive you the sick girl hesitated for some time no i know you very little any one else in my position might have said that the feeling from which you are suffering is good i shall not say so does your batyushka know about it i beg you to remember that i am not going to speak with him without your permission he does not know does he love you yes what do you think that i am going to tell you now you say that he loves you i have heard that he was a stupid what makes you think that it will be useless for you to reveal to him your feeling that he will not consent if the obstacle had lain simply in the poverty of the man whom you love this would not have kept you from trying to persuade your father to give his consent that is what i think about it therefore i must think that you entertain an exceedingly poor opinion of him there could be no other reason for you to hide the matter from your father isn't it so the sick girl said not a word it is evident that i am not mistaken what shall i think now your batyushka is a man of experience in life who knows human nature you are inexperienced if any person seems bad to him and good to you then according to all probabilities it is you who are mistaken and not he you see that i must think so do you want to know why i tell you such a disagreeable thing i will tell you 
you may get angry at my words you may hate me because of them but still you will say to yourself he is saying what he thinks he is not hypocritical he does not want to deceive me you are gaining confidence in me isn't it true that i am speaking sincerely with you the sick girl was hesitating whether to answer or not you are a strange man doctor she said at last no not strange but i am not like one who deceives i have told you straightforwardly what i think but this is only my supposition maybe i am mistaken let me know whether i am tell me the name of the man towards whom you feel this inclination then but again only with your permission i will speak about him to your batyushka what will you tell him does he know him intimately yes in that case i shall tell him that he must consent to your marriage but only on one condition that the time of the wedding be appointed not immediately but in two or three months so that you may have time to think coolly whether you may not be right he will not consent he will consent in all probability but if not i will help you as i said kirsdnof spoke long in this style finally he succeeded in getting the sick girl to tell him the man's name and to let him talk with her father but to bring the old man to terms was a harder matter than to manage her polozov was greatly surprised to hear that his daughter's strength had been failing on account of hopeless love and still more surprised to hear the name of the man with whom she was in love and he firmly declared let her die sooner than marry him her death would be a lesser grief for both her and me it was a very hard case all the more because kirsdnof hearing polozov's reasons saw that the truth was really on the side of the old man and not his daughter end of part five chapter three recording by expatriate in bangor maine